The following podcast on the Your Own Pay Podcast Network will contain adult content. Listener discretion is advised. More information about this episode can be found at yourownpay.com. <laughs> hey, bro, let's get into this thing. It's Demasi and Michael just talking tech. So the one reason I might switch back to the Mac is messages. Like... With Android on Windows, I could go to messages.google.com slash web and drop a link to you. Like yesterday, for example, did you get that Todoist link that I sent? I did. Okay. So weird thing about that that I'll loop back to. Um, I, I ended up sharing that link with myself by emailing it to myself, then copying it from the email to drop it into messages for you. And I'm like, man, this is, this is convoluted. At least on Android, I could have went to web.messages or web.google.com slash messages, dropped it in there or use the, your phone app. Now I did go down the rabbit hole of saying, how can I send iMessages from windows? And you want to know what, what they told me uh-huh. set up, Set up a dedicated uh, Mac Mini in a... Maybe that's what prompted me to think of a Mac Mini. Set up a dedicated Mac Mini in a location. Use a remote desktop on Chrome to access that to send your messages through messages on the Mac Mini. What the fuck? Yep, that's that's the guide that they give you if you do a search for how to send messages, uh, how to send iMessages from Windows. Actually, I think I said how to send uh, messages through an iPhone with Windows or something like that. But yeah, they wanted you to use the Chrome remote desktop, uh, get that going on the Mac Mini or the Mac or a dedicated Mac, and then use remote desktop on Chrome on Windows to access the Mac, which I don't even know if VoiceOver would come through on that. Although, wouldn't it be a bad idea to try so we knew, uh, and then go to messages on the Mac and send your message on the Mac and then switch back over to your windows operating system and just keep that connection open. If you want to send messages, send and receive messages on your windows computer. I'm like, that's, that, that's why has dumb. Apple not been sued for this? Oh, <laughs> that, right. If you're going to sue them for something, be like, look, man, I can't access my iMessages uh, on my phone i mean on my windows computer yeah Uh, yeah i mean that that to me would be a reasonable web service to have in place right like i know it may take a little time or it may have taken time to build it but that's something that i feel like they should have been working on because of the exact problem you're having you use windows uh you can't it's irrational yes it is irrational to expect a person to buy a Mac just so that they can send messages from their desktop when all of the other mobile, well, I guess there's only one now, but back in the days mm-hmm. of Windows phone still being a thing, uh, you can send messages from there. You can send messages from Windows to your iPhone, I mean, to through your Android phone. You can do it from the Mac. You can do it from Linux. You can do it from anywhere. I could probably figure out a way to send a message through Android from my iPhone. like. You know, <laughs> a whole lot of trouble uh but yeah you cannot do this thing and i've done the whole messages thing from chrome like it, it is nice to be able to just go go in a browser and send a message and read your messages like that's that's i don't know why we don't have this uh, i would be well i i know that i 
personally, and I bet others, would be more likely to use a web-based messaging service for iMessages or just messages in general on the iPhone. You could even take iMessages away. I don't care if I have iMessages or not. Send it through like a text message. It doesn't bother me. But I would use that more than I would use beta.music.apple.com. Uh, yeah, or tv.apple.com. Yeah, or whatever I forgot about that. <laughs> I wonder. There's not a messages.apple.com, is there? I've got to look just to make sure. <laughs> uh, now i got to go check. That would be my luck. Uh, nope, network uh, error. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wait, network error? It didn't just say this doesn't exist? Uh, yeah, no, it said network error. Probably because it's a subdomain. At least Windows said network error. Messages.apple.com. Let's see. Oh, server iPad. I, that IP address cannot be found. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yep. And I tried iMessages.google. Or I mean, .apple.com. <laughs> messages.apple.com. Ooh. Ooh. I don't know. Now I feel like we're trying to hack into Apple. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> ah, server IP, IP address cannot be found. Oh, well, well, no messages yeah. through the web. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. Seems like yeah. they should add that shit, though. Come on. Come on. Just Apple. saying. Even if you got to go or, to iCloud, even if you got to go to iCloud.com, log in and click on the messages button. So instead of setting up that whole dedicated Mac system, why wouldn't I just buy a Mac to use? Like, full time at that point. Man, that is some hellified. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, verification. That's not the word I'm looking <laughs> for. Justification. Yes, there you go. That is some hellified justification for why you need to get a Mac, though. Like, <laughs> and, and and it has to have 16 gigabytes. Has to be the new Mac Mini, and I guess I'll be happy with 256 hard drive. Save a little bit of money, you know. Hmm. <laughs> I wonder or a new phone. I wonder how cheaply you're gonna be able to get an Intel Mac Mini in a second. Uh, since the M1. They, so uh, it looks like there is some Intel Mac Minis on the refurb store starting at five nine nine. So I, I imagine that price may come down a little bit, but right now that's that's what we have. Hmm. So probably not. I looked. Probably not going to come down from Apple necessarily, but I can see right. other third-party licensed Mac sellers like eBay. Uh, OWC. Yeah, eBay will be a place too. Oh, yeah. uh, I forgot about OWC. See, you always say OWC. I've never bought anything from them. Have you, you've bought a computer or two from them, haven't you? Uh, I have not bought a computer for them. What I have bought from them, uh, I bought cables from them. I bought my Thunderbolt 2 dock that I wish I would have kept, uh, hmm. but I didn't because once the MacBook pro got trash and i had to go back to like the 2009 macbook uh mm. there's no thunderbolt firewire yeah. so i was like oh i guess i can sell this fucking dock then i don't need that shit. man you know how many times i made that mistake <laughs> and then a couple of weeks no no i would say a year after i sold something yeah man yep. i wish i really had that and i didn't sell it uh-huh, because now I can't find a Thunderbolt 2 dock for a reasonable price because I feel like everybody is price gouging if you find them on like eBay or something. And then OWC released theirs again or resold theirs again at some point. But I was like, man, that is too close to the price of the Thunderbolt 3 dock, which I can't use. <laughs> but I refuse to pay that amount of money for a device that is basically dead, like because I don't even think you could do the well, you probably could do the Thunderbolt the apple thunderbolt 
two to Thunderbolt 3 adapter and still use it. But if you have a Thunderbolt 3 capable uh, Apple computer, like why would you buy a Thunderbolt 2 dock? That would just be crazy. Or now you've got the Thunderbolt 4. So why would you buy a Thunderbolt 2 for the price of a Thunderbolt 3 when Thunderbolt 4 is coming out? Like, makes no sense. <laughs> so Thunderbolt 4 is it's a very strange thing. Um, I have mostly reliable information. Like I've heard this enough and read this in enough places that I believe this to be the case. So Thunderbolt 3, when it was introduced, uh, Thunderbolt is a spec in general. Uh, Thunderbolt 3, when it was released, Windows uh, PC makers didn't always implement the full spec for uh, Thunderbolt 3. So they would take parts of the spec, but they, they wouldn't implement the full specification for Thunderbolt 3. And for anybody not steeped in, you know, this sort of geekery, including myself, the best correlation I can make is if you think about HDMI. Some TVs with HDMI have that CEC thing where when you push a button and to wake up your Apple TV or your Roku, for example, it automatically turns on the TV and switches to the right input. Not all TVs with HDMI have that functionality, right? That is a part of the HDMI spec, but not everybody implements it. Uh, similar thing with you with Thunderbolt 3 for Windows PCs. Some Windows PCs did implement the entire spec. A lot did not. Apple always has implemented the full Thunderbolt spec. I think partially because they were involved in creating it. Uh, and people didn't have another option so you know somebody would be extremely pissed off if they showed up with a thunderbolt device and it didn't work because apple didn't implement the full spec and then it's not like i could just be like well fuck that i'm not buying an apple mac anymore i'm gonna go buy a dell mac uh, <laughs> not an option uh so thunderbolt what thunderbolt 4 does is it mm, i'm gonna say this and this is not exactly 100 correct and the way that I am saying it, but the point of what I'm saying is going to be correct, which is Thunderbolt 4 basically merges all of the spec and makes it one spec. So like if you implement, if you're third, if a device is Thunderbolt 4 certified, that means it has implemented the entire spec. If you did not implement the entire spec, you will not have that Thunderbolt 4 certificate certification. So is go ahead. I was just going to say, so in summary, you can't just half-ass implement the Thunderbolt 4 uh, specs. You have no. to do it all or none. Yep. You have to do all or you don't get it. Like that. That's how that works. Instead of where Thunderbolt 3 was, where you could get Thunder Thunderbolt 3 certification without having fully implemented every feature and capability of Thunderbolt 3. Uh, that will not happen with 4. So if something says it's Thunderbolt 4 compatible, it gets everything. Now, in practice, what's that? what that actually means is uh you get the up to and i say up to because these are theoretical you know not real world speed real world speeds 40 gigabits uh so gigabits yeah 40 gigabits a second transfer speeds over thunderbolt uh which was there in thunderbolt 3 but you had to implement it uh it is also backwards compatible to any thunderbolt 3 device uh that's where it starts to get confusing uh, it also handles power delivery so that that a Thunderbolt four port will handle, you know, the maximum power that the device needs. So, you know, plug charging up your MacBook or your Windows computer or whatever. Uh, it also has support will have has to have support for USB uh, three and all of its variations and generations uh, that exist. 
Uh, the other thing that Thunderbolt 4 introduces is uh, what they're calling hubbing. Uh, what I think of it as is the ability to continue the chain of Thunderbolt devices. So typically with Thunderbolt in, in its entire history of, of existing, if you plugged in a hard drive, uh, let's say you had a dock, like a Thunderbolt right. 2 dock, you plug that in. Uh, all you got was USB ports. You, you would get one additional port that you could chain. Uh, you, so you have two Thunderbolt ports. One would be obviously coming from your computer going to the device. There would be one additional Thunderbolt port uh, on the OWC one at least. Whatever I plugged into that Thunderbolt port on the hub to extend it, that ended the chain of devices. So I couldn't plug in a second hub because nothing else would work on that second hub. Like it would be done. So you plug in a hard drive, your ta- your chain right there is terminated or you plug in a, a, a dock, you know, your chain is done. Uh, this I'm really going to explain badly. I will find some links to put into the show notes at your own pay.com slash DM 62. Two. Uh, I will find some links to put into the show notes at your own pay.com slash DM 62 uh, to better explain this because I feel like I'm explaining the killing of the chain with, with Thunderbolt uh, kind of terribly. But essentially hubbing what that will allow you to do is with with Mike's uh, MacBook Pro that he has because I, I, I hear, I don't know this for certain, but I hear that the update to Big Sur on any MacBook Pro that has Thunderbolt 3 uh, will give it the Thunderbolt 4 capabilities because it's mostly just kind of like a firmware deal uh, in Apple's case because they implemented the full spec. So at this point, Mike could plug in a Thunderbolt 3 dock uh, and then in addition, plug in an additional, you know, Thunderbolt drive and another Thunderbolt dock or something like it, it, it. Basically, it kind of extends the capabilities of the port. So instead of Mike being restricted to that one hub and its USB ports being useful to him, he could also make use of a of, of an additional Thunderbolt device plugged into that hub uh, to extend his Thunderbolt range. Um, I said we'll drop some links in the show notes because we're getting to some technical stuff that I don't fully one hundred percent understand. I understand in general what it means, but trying to explain it, I don't understand it well enough to teach it. Uh but basically with Apple stuff, Thunderbolt 4 doesn't matter as much. And if you look at the spec sheet for their new computers, they will say Thunderbolt 3 if you get down deep enough into the spec sheets about the ports. Uh, because Thunderbolt 4 is just an implementation detail, which Apple has already complied with. So it makes sense to me that updating a Thunderbolt 3 capable Mac the uh, Mac computer, whether it's a laptop or a desktop, uh, would give you the Thunderbolt 4 capabilities because most of that really is just forcing everybody else to, to follow the spec uh, anyway. Uh, I think the hubbing is the only thing that, that Mac users will gain uh, with Thunderbolt 4 compatibility. Right. Uh, Windows users, on the other hand, get a ton of shit because you know, <laughs> there was shit you didn't get if your vendor computer maker did not fully implement the spec. But you can't send messages from Windows using iMessages. But you still can't send messages <laughs> from Windows to people so on let, iOS. Let's talk something. I want you to teach me something. Uh, those who don't know, Demasi, yeah, I'm putting you on the spot, has acquired an app and convinced me to acquire an app that I've heard about for years now. I heard a demo of it about a month ago. Finally pulled the trigger last week. I think it was last week. Time. Yep. Time. 
time is time is time doesn't <laughs> exist. This is what I think we have learned. All of us should have learned this by now from the pandemic and everything going on. Like time really is like it's it's non-existent. Like there there's yeah. an infinite time scale, and you you don't know where you are on this timeline. You just think you know. You know, clocks and except calendars. for those of us who are working eight hours a day from home, you have some semblance of time, nope. but it all no, eventually blurs into. <laughs> no, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> calendars and clocks and all of those things just give us They're give fake, us fake a news. false, a false sense of uh, understanding of the universe. Uh, whereas so, it really doesn't matter. So Lear is what I'm talking about, and in conjunction with Lear. <laughs> <laughs> It's spelled L-I-R-E for people who don't know uh, why why we kind of have a uh, misunderstanding of the pronunciation of the name. We will have a link to it over at youronpay.com slash DM62. I did check to verify that, that was the right one. And uh, We will proactively also add in a, a little snippet of the translation of it. Uh, yes. Yes. Maybe I'll. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I was trying to think of what we're going to do with that. So. Oh, I mean, I was just going to go to Google Translate and type it in and then have it. Oh, I wasn't sure if you were talking about grabbing that part of Jonathan's interview with him. And I'm like, mm, oh, no, that I might be not. copyright problems. No, nah, <laughs> nah, I was just going to go to Google uh, Translate and type in the word and have it speaking in French and just record that and there drop it in. So Feed Wrangler is what I'm using now. And I got to know more. What is a stream? Is that what they call them in Feed Wrangler? How do- yep. First of all, what's Feed Wrangler and what's a stream? So Feed Wrangler is one of the numerous RSS syncing services that uh, arose from the ashes of Google Reader. RIP Google Reader. Put some, Michael, put some funeral music there. Oh. Yeah, I was going to say maybe Mike can you know, drop some funeral music right have a moment decided for google reader because it was amazing feed wrangler is one of the many services that arose it is one of the ones that is still around uh because there, there were a lot in the in the early days after google hmm. news was shut down uh, google, uh excuse me nope wrong product google reader was shut down google news has not yet been shut down sorry people <laughs> not yet <laughs> calm, calm down if you're using google news it still exists uh, as of the time of this recording anyway. could be gone by the time you hear this. I don't know. Right. <laughs> because it's Google. It is Google. It is what they do. Uh, but Feed Wrangler is a service that that uh, allows you to, uh, it has web interface and it has apps. I don't use the apps, but it also is supported by many of the third-party uh, uh, RSS readers uh, available across platforms. I chose it after a rather extensive search. I didn't look at every single service that existed, but I looked at the ones that had some type of business model, at least uh, at the time. I didn't look at any of the open source ones that you could host yourself, although quite a few of those have also disappeared in the intervening years. Uh, So uh, I looked at things like In Order, um, Feedly. uh, I looked at the old reader, I think is what it's called, and I realized that I'm pay- I would be paying ten dollars more a year for it than what Feed Wrangler costs. So that's why I switched back over to Feed Wrangler. Yeah, I think I well, took a look didn't at switch, that one too. but started looking at it again. Yeah, I think I took a look at them too and realized that most of the features I would have been getting that I would have been paying for, like I'm not going to use those because I don't want to go to the web and read my news. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so. Uh, Feed Wrangler is a sync service, so you sign into an RSS app with it, and as you subscribe to feeds, they get added to Feed Wrangler, and uh, so when you go to a different device, it it 
you know, you still have all your fees. It is just a syncing service on the back end. It does have some, you know, nice little features. Uh, it is from the developer that we oftentimes reference, at least here, even if we don't directly mention him, uh, David Smith. Uh, we mentioned the, him two episodes uh, ago. Yeah, I mean, we <laughs> referenced him quite a bit. Smith episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we referenced him quite a bit because we're always saying plus plus uh, to the point that Mike now calls it TV plus plus. I think nope, news plus plus. You know, it's not the name of the service. But <laughs> I seriously did not mean to. It was just one of those slips that ah news plus plus. Oh wait, wait, that's oh, wait, that's not that's that's, that's not uh, that's not. But David Smith makes the apps. Um, Sleep Plus Plus, um, Pedometer, Pedometer Plus, 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 Plus app I've been using I for a long time. I just installed that today. Uh, Workouts Plus Plus, which I need to look at that again because I don't quite understand what it is anymore. I don't think. Or maybe the Workouts app from Apple has seriously gotten better since Workouts Plus Plus was introduced. He also makes a couple other apps that are super popular. You may have heard of Widget Smith uh, has, has kind of taken over the world. Uh, since iOS 14 launched, and there's a couple of apps he makes that I can't think of off the top of my head right now. But anyway, he makes uh, he created Feed Wrangler uh, as a sync service, and I signed up for it again after looking at several other services. You know, I tried. I actually used Feedly for a while because they had a free uh, level, uh, but I didn't like his web interface. And occasionally, you want to I want to go do stuff in the web interface, or there were features that you could only access in the web interface because we were in a time back then where while these new services were popping up and trying to distinguish themselves with different features, etc., the RSS reader applications had to catch up uh, first by adding support for different services. And then secondly, you know, going back to try to retroactively add in, you know, the feature capabilities that they could uh, that were available to them for the different services. So all of that stuff was in flux. I used reader for a while. I mean, Feedly for a while. Uh, and then went and tried, uh, Feed Wrangler. And the two things I liked about Feed Wrangler is their pricing was reasonable. It was eighteen ninety nine a year. Yep. Uh that price is not same. changed. Still the same price. Uh I was familiar with the developer. Uh, and the web interface was mostly accessible for the stuff that I was trying to do there or poking around to look at different features. Uh, there. So I ended up going with Feed Wrangler. I have been using Feed Wrangler since. I have tried a couple of services that cropped up over the intervening years. I actually think In Order may have been one of those later uh, services. But I've stuck with Feed Wrangler for its pricing, its simplicity, and it seems stable. Like I haven't ever had any problems with fees disappearing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it's supported by most of the RSS apps I have tried uh, other than Net Newswire. So yeah, that that's uh, Feedly in a very giant nutshell. That, no, so, no, 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 no. Retake uh, nope. that. You just said uh, that's I, Feedly, and that, that is, not is right. Feed Wrangler in a very large nutshell. Uh, and I do want to let people know that what I feel would be the most important thing from the web interface is fully accessible on Windows, and I believe Demasi told me it is on Mac, and that is adding RSS feed. So if you're browsing a website, for example, I just went and put the NerdVittles blog in there uh, oh, because I always forget about that. We'll put we'll link to it at DM62. 
But I went into Feed Wrangler. I grabbed their RSS feed, copied it to the clipboard, went into Feed Wrangler, logged in. Thank you, 1Password. And then I clicked on the Add New Feed button, I think it was, or it was actually a link. And then I just pasted it in. And I haven't looked on my phone, but I'm confident that it will show up on my phone now. So that that is that's super nice. Yeah, and I think they may even have a uh, bookmarklet that you could I think they do, too. To your thing. I, I, have, I did um, try it, their app. Did you say you didn't try it? Ah, uh, the the bookmarklet. No, the Feed Wrangler app on iOS. Feed Wrangler app. I haven't tried it in some years. I tried it when I initially. The buttons it. look labeled, but I've been spoiled by Lear, especially with the ability to configure what voiceover reads. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything got read in Feed Wrangler's app, uh, but every you you could do everything from it. Like it's it's completely usable, but I prefer the customized customiz. What's that word I'm looking for? Customization, customability. Yes, customization. Uh, <laughs> customization that feed or that the customizability. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that may have been what I ultimately didn't like about it is that like I have been like I've been using Feedly apps. Jeez, man, some Feedly guys must be talking about me or something. Do I owe them money too? Uh, <laughs> I have been using. Uh, Lear since I don't know like I want to say since it came out uh, because it was the feature that Lear and and Lear is the RSS app that we have both kind of settled on Mike is more you know more freshly into the uh, environment Uh, but one of the big advantages of Lear when it was first announced whenever that happened to be uh, is that it 2012 it would pull the full text of articles uh, Instead of the way that a lot of RSS apps at the time handled it, which is they would present you with the summary from the feed and you would have to click the link to read more. You know, like you see when you go to a WordPress blog and it has a little blurb and then read more and then you have to click that to go to the next page. I didn't want to do that because that kicked, especially back then, that would kick you out of the app into Safari. There wasn't even a safari view controller back then either apps would send you to safari or they had their own custom in-app web browser which was uh terrible um for the most part so uh that's one of the things that drew me to Lear. uh in addition to the fact that it was it was very heavily focused on voiceover accessibility like the developer has been aware of voiceover accessibility since he launched the app and it now is one of the few apps I have seen that has its own specific settings section for voiceover controls and how you want voiceover to speak things and in what order you wanted to speak things, etc. And you can turn things off or change that order. And it, 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 it is super nice, especially once you get it set up. And it's one of those things like, man, the customization. So for example, read all or read all button in Lear is on the bottom right hand side of the toolbar by default. And you have a star or unstar. I've already went and changed mine to uh, change it to good lengths for the star or unstar. Thank you, Demasi, for that recommendation. And and Marty, got to give him a shout out too, because he recommended good links to me too. So thank you, Marty, too. And then I also went and I changed the read all uh, link the read all button from the right to the left, because every time I would look down at the left side, I don't know why just naturally to find the read all button and it wasn't there, but now it is there. So I just love the customization and this is not a sponsored podcast by Lear. 
we're just sharing with you. Just sharing with you. Because Mike is new to the app, so we can talk about it in, uh, you know, semi- And it's not Apple Watch talk. Uh, yeah, and we could talk about it in a semi-educated way because we both have used it. And Mike means the mark all is read button uh, yes. is what he's referring to when he keeps saying read all button. Yes, uh, that is what I meant. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, so, I like I like Lear. Uh, Mike, you had a question for me about what are streams in Feed Wrangler, right? Yes. So my summary of streams and feed wrangler and i will go look uh i will drop a link in the show notes to uh the documentation uh page for streams from feed wrangler directly but my summary and the best way for me to sum it up for people is think of it as a saved search uh so you put in the criteria that you want to search for based off the fees that you are subscribed to uh, and it can include one feed or all of your feeds. It can, you know, be across one set of, you know, articles or everything that you're subscribed to and filter that out. But it is a custom search. So you can search for specific terms or reject specific terms, which is a thing that I first started doing with it and save those. So let's say, for example, I want to look across all of the articles that I read and I want anything about iOS and automation uh, or iOS automation uh, to be saved as a stream. So that would cover a number of sites that I am subscribed to, including Mac stories and uh, uh, Rosemary Orchard and the Omni group and a ton of other places. Right. But anybody comes up with those terms in the title of their article, then I should see that as a custom search, which means I can very quickly, if I'm just interested in reading right now about automation, let's see what's new with iOS automation. Uh, I can go read those articles. That makes perfect sense now. So it's, it's pretty much your customized search that will search the feeds that you're subscribed to. I was under the impression it's like it was it was like a Google search, so it would search the web for those terms. So now no, that, that makes no, a lot no, more no. sense to me. No, 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 no. It's kind of search the stuff that you're subscribed to. The other way that it is useful in the way that I first started using it, it was one of the honestly one of the streams was one of the things that drew me to uh Feed Wrangler as well, is because I subscribe to some sites where there's a ton of crap. Like I, <laughs> I don't mean crap in the sense of like is is terrible news. It's just like stuff I'm not interested in. Uh so instead of me having, you know, opening up my RSS region saying, oh, you have 352 unread articles. Well, if I filter out all of the stuff dealing with gaming, then that number drops significantly, mm-hmm. especially around this time of year when there's a new PlayStation, a new Xbox and uh, Nintendo Switch. Nintendo has are, another great month. And yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, switches are hard to come by. And yeah. So I, like, I don't care about any of that stuff. Right? I, I'm not a gamer. I, I have never been a gamer. Uh, so last, note, if anyone needs a switch for your kids, reach out to me and I'll sell you Mallory's. Wow. <laughs> Shots. Oh, my. Jeez. No, man. Nobody reach out to Mike for his switch to sell Mallory's. Uh, <laughs> Unless you don't like Michael. Then she'll start wanting to play it. Oh, uh, oh wait. She doesn't play it? No, she doesn't play it. It's oh. on the filing cabinet. Oh, oh. see, I thought she so, used I mean, it. Uses if, like if someone wants to pay me like 500 bucks for it, I'm, I'm down with that. It's in great shape. <laughs> it's only been taken out of the box, and that's it. Uh, Pretty much. <laughs> perhaps Lim- Remy licked it a couple of times. 
Oh, uh, so I do got to follow up with something that we were talking about on the phone with you, though. Uh, so when I first got started with Lear, I used the standalone service, so I didn't synchronize anything because I didn't want to go spend 20 bucks on, well, $19 on Feed Wrangler, but I ended up doing it anyways. Hold on. Hold and- on. One sec. Hold on. One sec. Let me, let me stop you right there and, and uh, just to expand upon something that you just said in case you were not going to do so. Uh, so. Lear, when you download it, has the ability to do what it calls standalone uh, mode, which will allow you to subscribe to articles, uh, but they don't sync. So like if you have an iPhone and an iPad, you go to your iPad and download Lear, you're not going to see the same stuff. That's the functionality that a syncing service provides. Uh, I would say that if you happen to get Lear, which is $9.99 in the uh, U.S. App Store, uh, and uh, first, let me, uh, I have to do a, what do they call it? A PSA, public service announcement. Mm-hmm. Uh, do not buy Reader, R-E-E-D-E-R 5, which has iCloud syncing of your RSS fees if you are a voiceover user. Uh, nothing in the app is labeled. Uh, absolutely. Like, you don't even get to navigate a portion of the screen. It's like there's one button, maybe two buttons that Mm -hmm. you can see inside of the app once you get into it. Like, don't do it. I did it. It's only five bucks. It looks interesting. It syncs through iCloud. Like, oh, that's great. I don't have to pay for a sync service. Awesome. Uh, Yeah, don't just just save yourself the trouble. But, okay, continue on, Mike. So, I... I Started with standalone and I subscribed to a couple of Google alerts. Is that what they're called? Uh, yeah. I don't know, yeah. man. You told me about these things. Yeah, recently. Google alerts. <laughs> so I subscribed to a couple of Google alerts, RSS feeds. Uh, my PSA is don't click that link at the bottom of the email that says subscribe via RSS. We will have a link in the show notes showing you actually how to do it because that subscribe via RSS does not work. We tried it. Um, and, and so I subscribed to a couple of Google alerts and mainly for local news. And some of the articles like would say uh, best food in less than B greater than North Bend, Oregon, less than slash B greater than. And that was driving me crazy. However, when I brought those feeds into uh, Feed Wrangler, Feed Wrangler must have stripped the HTML out of the title because the same exact feeds were not having that issue. Like I don't, I don't see those that syntax hmm, in the title. So I just wanted to let you know about that. Interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, like the same exact articles because I imported my OPML into I re-imported my OPML into Feed Wrangler, which, by the way, side note, you would not have been able to do that on iOS a couple of versions ago, but it was a super simple process on iOS 14 to import a saved file that was on my phone. Uh, so you went to the web the browser way. and yep. Uh, I wonder if you could not have done it from directly within Lear, though. Oh, I could have. I, maybe that is what I did. I don't remember. N- yeah, that's that's what I did. So I've been doing a lot of moving stuff around, uh, coming from Android, where I'm using multiple different platforms to embedding myself in the Apple ecosystem. So one of the things I recently did that I it's got embedded. confused with is i moved all of my links from pocket or yeah from pocket over to good links and that process included me downloading a file and then importing it into good link so so one or the other i was able to browse 
for a file in Safari and upload it and it worked just fine. Like it was, it was a seamless process. I was surprised. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it does work. It, 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 it has been there since they kind of added the files app. You've had that capability. Like I have uploaded many of, um, a service that shall remain, remain nameless that I ran its video URL through a shortcut to convert <laughs> it to an MP3 file and then uploaded it into my overcast, uh, FM through overcast website. Yeah. Through the overcast website. Cause you cannot do that yet. Uh, within, uh, overcast the app, uh, side note, that is a feature that I'm really kind of missing right now, uh, from Castro. Uh, not to mention that Castro shared link interface is actually really nice. Uh, down, I, so to give I, you, down to giving you the link to the Overcast or other uh, podcast yep. players uh, on the page. It's like, that is really nice. So I copied the link. Uh, I don't remember actually how I did it, but I got the link of a Castro thing. I don't, I did get into the web interface and see that. And I'm like, man, this gives you everything. Like all the podcast players on the yes. bottom. That is nice. <laughs> yes. Super nice. Now you have to know to go to the bottom and go look at it. I do remember. Initially, I, I did not see it. I was on Twitter looking at one of the uh, podcast episodes that I shared on the desktop. And I clicked the link on the desktop and I could play that episode. Well, on the laptop. I don't know why I said desktop. But I played the the episode from chrome and then i saw those links at the bottom i was trying to figure out how did i get to that link on my phone without it opening castro mm, yeah because it automatically opens castro if someone shares a castro link with you yeah that's what happens with overcast if you don't have overcast installed or you're on the desktop it will take you to overcast.fm uh you know to that show page or, or whatever and you can play the episode in the browser but i don't actually i need to test that mike i think did you test that i think you tested that actually what uh if overcast? I send you an overcast link, will it when, nope. when it opens in the browser, do you see the uh Castro link? Yeah, does it offer or like other podcast? I yeah, did not podcasts. send me a link because I don't I don't hmm. know if you've sent me a link like recently. Yeah. Well you've sent me links, but I don't know if you've sent me a podcast link recently. <laughs> right. Uh I'll try Matt GeekGab. Send me that. Unless huh. I don't have it anymore. Good deal. I can subscribe to that. Um so that was my primary topic I wanted to talk about. Uh, I did, was curious if you took a look look at that link I sent you from Todoist because it made me start thinking about reminders and not only reminders but setting defer Intel tasks. Uh, I don't I don't know if I'm going to go through that process, but it was a more easier to understand than the Reddit guide. I oh my! Oh no, no, I didn't even read it because your audio message mentioned. Uh... Uh, the quick add feature on the Mac, ah. uh, command shift a, uh, which does work on the Mac. However, I changed mine cause I tried, I'm like, that doesn't work. And I was like, Oh, wait a minute. Cause I changed mine to command option shift mm. a, cause I had command shift a map to something else. Uh, and oh, you also don't even use that. You use launch bar to add. Yeah, I do. But I did customize the shortcut because also in Safari specifically command shift a brings up the auto fill. Uh, uh, uh-huh menu uh i knew it did something so i, I, I either i customize it or, or on the mac they do something i think i customize it so what they 
I'm going to try to summarize this and uh, forgive me if I get it wrong, but in summary, what they did is they set one task uh, with a re- with a due date of, let's say, next Monday. And okay. inside of that task, they have subtasks, which those subtasks don't show up until next Monday because they're oh. not due until next Monday. And then you can start working on those subtasks. And if you want, you can set reminders on each subtask for the actual due date of the time that that t- subtask needs to be completed by. Ah, I see. So... And then what they say is put it into a project that's like uh, someday soon or something, like make a random project that you can put that task in. And then you won't see them, the the delayed task, until it's actually time for that project to begin. And I'm like, oh, oh, that might work. And I think that's what the Reddit guy was trying to explain doing. But but Todoist explains it in a very straightforward uh, manner. No, no. This guy was doing shit with labels and shit, though. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, that, that, that's because I'm like, man, there's a label and then you got to remember to go in here and take that label off and put this. So what the Reddit guy basically was doing to, to, to sum up the whole complex thing that he was making uh, is he was using a combination of labels and custom filters so that you would only see stuff that didn't have a specific label. So if you had a, a defer label. It wouldn't show up, but like he was doing it, you know, like like that, like which obviously, like well, I'm not gonna say obviously. It is actually a way I thought about doing it before reading that post. I'm like, well, that gets too convoluted because then I have to tie a date to a label. How do I do that? I don't know. Never mind. Mm. Uh, this thing actually sounds interesting, though. Uh, yeah, so- check check that link out when you get a minute because I think it might, though it's not exactly how OmniFocus handles it. It might be a more easier way to get accomplished what what we've been trying to get accomplished now i have not implemented it but i'm gonna play around with it because yeah i wanted to see if you took a look at the link anyways to see what you thought of it uh but it it should it should work and todoist explains explains why they don't offer a they don't call it a defer date i think they call it a wait to start date or whatever but it's the same thing uh they explain why they don't do that because if you have notes because you can add notes to your tasks and let's say you're browsing your tasks and you want to look at your notes you want to see all of those at once but this way will they, they give a better explanation than that but this way will let you hide things out of your today view or your upcoming view unless it's within that upcoming period of time and secondary uh i did discover yesterday and maybe it was earlier than yesterday but yesterday for sure because i did it yesterday uh you can go and change your date and choose a date from the calendar on a task and then the save button in the bottom right corner will let you actually save that new date so that seems to be working appropriately again okay Good deal. Yeah, I will read the article. I, I thought you were sending me something to like reference like the shortcuts or something on the Mac or, or something. I was like, oh, well, he just told me what he probably wanted to tell me about in that article, so I won't read it. Uh, <laughs> no, no, slightly convoluted because I know exactly what you're talking about. So what happened? I, I got I to go down this path and give you a quick explanation. I imported all of my links from Pocket, right? Mm-hmm. And then I was looking through good links, and one of those was... Uh, a YouTube link that I saved, oh, we months ago, had to have been months ago, but it was a YouTube link that says uh, nine ways to get tasks into Todoist. 
And so I clicked that and started watching that. And that's where the shortcut came through. And then I Googled something about how to to best use reminders with Todoist. And that sent me down a rabbit hole. Then I ended up on Todoist help documentation. And then I sent you that link right after I sent that voice message. Gotcha. Why the hell would good links on the Mac want to send me notifications? Uh, Want to notify me about? uh, Yeah, I asked that same question. Maybe they want to notify you when you add a new link. <laughs> Screw that. I'm trying to see if I can import my, uh, whatchamacallit from here. Instapaper? Yeah. I really don't. I mean, that's that's everything that was on my list that I did not add to Todoist. <laughs> nope. There's only one tab on good links and the settings in this general guide to do it from iOS. Uh, Is there a toolbar? Yeah, I didn't have anything to do with that either. Uh, I'll do it from hours. You just kind of reminded me of it because I hadn't done it yet. And I was like, oh, let me go start that process right now if I can from the Mac. Uh, start probably tell people about good links or did we talk about good links prior to this episode? We have not talked about good links. So, Mike, what is good links? You've referenced it a bunch of times. People are going to want to know what is good links. So, let's head off the Twitter alerts that I may or may not see uh, asking about good links. So good links is a read it later service. Uh, it does. Oh, hold cost on, what, hold on, oh, new version of rocket. Okay. All right, go ahead. You still have rocket installed. Uh, Isn't that live chat or not live chat, but that, that Slack alternative. Oh, no, 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 no. You oh, got to put the okay. dot chat on the end of that to, to reference that. Although I've been meaning oh. to take a look at it again. Uh, honestly, I need to throw it up on a server somewhere and take another look at it again before I jump into the Slack rabbit hole that I don't really want to jump into. Slack uh, is fun. Just just give in to the Slack bot. Slack is fun, man. But, you know, you know, there, there are some features I would get with the free self-hosted rocket chat that would cost me a ton of money and Slack. Uh yeah. Just saying. Uh no, Rocket uh Rocket is an app, and I got there because I had an update for anybody, uh, depending on how we edit this. Uh Rocket on the Mac is an application that um allows you to do kind of like Slack. Oh, so the simple version is actually thanks uh for bringing up Slack. Actually, it lets you do Slack style emojis everywhere on Mac OS. So, you know, how in Slack, you can type like colon, smiley, colon or whatever like that. And then it'll, you know, make that into a smiley face. Mm-hmm. Or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, this brings that functionality to all of your apps on the Mac. Uh, so when I normally when I'm sending uh, emojis in messages or something like that, from like I'm, the Mac, from the Mac, I'm just typing like colon. THU and then thumbs it'll start to show me or TH for example so if I type colon TH uh, the first thing that's probably going to come up for me is the thumbs up emoji but I can arrow down and mm-hmm. have it read out other things so like the thinking face and all of that that's why you see me using more emojis or a more wide variation of emojis now than normal uh, it's can't for that you, reason can't you do that same thing with launch bar too you can, uh, except that you have to go to launch bar and then search. You have to bring up launch bar and then go to emoji. Search I think for I have emoji a, and then. Yeah, I think I, I think emoji. there's actually a shortcut I have set up. Or I used to have set up 
uh, four launch bars emojis. The reason that I tried out Rocket, well, one, I beta tested Rocket uh, because uh, when I heard about it, I was like, well, I got to check this out, uh, first of all, because it just sounded cool. And then there was accessibility problems and I chatted with the developer and he started working on it. I think a couple of other people, maybe some that listened to this show also tested Rocket on the Mac. Uh, he, he has really implemented voiceover support quite excellently. Uh, it's quicker, honestly, uh, for my emoji use to do the colon couple of letters and then, you know, hit return to activate that specific emoji versus going through uh, launch bar. Launch and sometimes bar launch bars wouldn't, keyboard. sometimes launch bars wouldn't paste in certain apps. Ah. Like I would try to put the emoji in and it wouldn't paste. Uh, and and now it's it's just a and also at the time I think I was also using Slack when I started using it. I was like I was using it more than I use hmm. it now. So because uh, I think it was around the DMD time when we were using Slack that one time is when I started using Rocket actually. DMD time. Uh, uh hmm, hmm. BE one on one. Uh, yeah, the name change is taking full effect in my brain. Uh, <laughs> Yes, yes, it has. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, around I be one on one when we were using Slack there, and then I think as a team we were kind of spending more time in Slack. Uh, I, I think is when I started using this, and yeah, it just works everywhere. Pretty nice app. Uh, free with an optional license purchase for to unlock something. I don't even remember what the hell it is. Uh, I gave the guy five bucks because I'm like, man, you put in a hell of a lot of work to make this shit accessible. So there you go. Uh, and it was it's only five links. bucks. So <laughs> good links. Back to good links after that slight diversion. Uh, and I appreciate it because I heard about the app, but I didn't know it was accessible. So I'll have to go check it out. So good links is a read it later service that will allow you to add links to the application. It is only available on Mac OS, iOS, and I think iPad OS. And uh, it will allow you to add yes. links to uh, the database. So let's say you want to go look at some links because you ho- you are a presenter on a weekly show and you want to use some of those links for producing your show notes while you're browsing through your RSS feed. You can add them to good links. You can tag them with the name of that show. <clears throat> Kelly Co. And you can then go back and look at all of the links throughout the week that you thought would be good to mention on the show. Uh, it It is a lot like Instapaper or Pocket, if you've heard of those, except for uh, two major caveats. Number one, it does sync with only iCloud, so you can't access it on other devices. And number two, it is a one-time purchase versus a monthly purchase. Uh, or annual purchase. Now, I was introduced to it both by Demasi and Marty. I think I mentioned that earlier. And at first, I'm like, man, I don't want to. I don't want to pay for something else. And then I had some some iTunes credit because of some work that I was doing. And so I went ahead and just picked it up. And it remarkably is very accessible. There's a couple of 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 mislabeled. Well, there's one mislabeled button that I need to reach out to the developer about. Uh, but aside from that, like it. It works as expected. It's a very simple interface, both on iOS and on macOS, and it makes it really simple, especially when you're using Lear, because you can go into the settings, change the star button to uh, good links, and then tap that, and you can tag the link and go, like, that's all you need to do. All of a sudden, it's saved in your database, and the next time you're on your wife's Mac, or I mean, uh, 
next time you're on the Mac, you can go and uh, look at your links and start composing your show notes. And what I actually did this most recently is I started composing my show notes and drafts, and then I jumped back over on the phone, finished up the draft because Siri was creepy and said, oh, you want to work on this draft? And it was a draft that I wanted to work on. And I'm like, oh. Oh, you're, you're kind of scaring me, Siri. You're turning into Google. No, you're not. Uh, but I, then I was able to hit the share or the actions button and then email, and it sent it over uh, to, well, I typed in the addresses. Oh, side note. It, in drafts, when I hit actions and I hit mail, and it took the first line and used that as a subject line and sent out the rest of it as the body, mm-hmm. I typed in Kelly right? And it autofilled and I could just tap his name. You know what I'm talking about there where mm-hmm. you type in K-E-L and you can autofill. Well, the weirdest thing happened. The next thing that was in the autofill was Rumia. And then I tapped that. And the next thing that was in the autofill was Matt. And all of the team members kept going, coming up into the autofill. Kind of like that feature I was telling you about in Gmail that I really liked on the web interface. And I'm like, I wonder if this is this is a effect of drafts or if it's something that Apple Mail is doing. Either way, uh, I really liked it, and it was super nice, and I got all the team members added without even having to think about it. And I even got the the um, director, the audio director put in there, even though it didn't need to have her in there, but she was in there. We ran with it, and it sent it out. Like, it was, it was nice. So that's good links in a quick recap with a side of drafts for you. Yeah, you may want to think about creating an action that just automatically emails in the background. Uh, you run it, uh, and just like you can people. add their email addresses to that action automatically, and then yeah. just hit. The- and when you mm. run it, it will you know just just have it be something like you know uh, show notes to AMI or something like that, so you don't ever mistakenly yeah. send them the wrong thing. And then yeah, just have it do the markdown conversion to RTF and send the email in the background without you even having to. So I could do that with Twitter too. Mm, what do you mean? I mean, like when I'm getting ready to go live, for example, I can set up a, a tweet that says, tune in to amiaudio.ca uh, to listen to uh, the Kelly Co. show live right now with a link to the audio, the listen live link, and put that in drafts, save that in drafts, and then just run an action that says tweet out AMI show or something. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because right now I've, I was copying and pasting it. And I was like, man, there's got to be an easier way. So I got to play with actions. Let me find, almost, I'll see if I can find it in my drafts. And if I can share it with y'all, send it straight to you. Uh, the, the Twitter action in drafts, because it'll post to Twitter. Like you have to go yeah. through the little process connected to your Twitter account and all of that. But it will post to your Twitter account uh, without, without even opening drafts. any other app. Yeah. Because it just uses the Twitter API to post. If we can find it, we'll post it at your own pay.com slash DM62, unless it's, it's like a, I got it out of the actions directory. Uh, yeah. Greg Pierce made it. Uh, you told me about that, and I was going to go look it up, and then I didn't. So. Yeah, he made it when he first started working on that capability, like to do direct API connections. He was like, well, here's an example action that lets you tweet you know, directly from drafts without having to ever leave drafts. And he's like, it keeps me out of Twitter, too. So, uh, Yeah. Good times. Good times. So what's new in your automation life? Anything new that you want to mention or do we want to? Uh, 
nothing new really automation wise i'm still kind of playing around with widgets figuring out which apps i want to use good links to start to become a, a, a serious part of my uh usage also uh, upgrading to leary 4 has been interesting uh, yeah. <laughs> changes and and some of the things are the same and yeah widgets yeah. Over- are interesting on it they are uh they have to they grow are. they're like they're like babies still because yeah you can do almost do everything you want to do but in the next probably two operating systems i think they're going to become more fully featured and have a lot more abilities than what they currently have yeah um i think a lot of the limitations of um widgets right now are based off the fact that essentially so they they got their start from the same type of uh complications that are on the watch um right so most complications on the watch will can show you some information that can be updated at random times in the background by the os uh, and then tapping on them will can launch you into, you know, the app or into a specific area or specific action inside of the app. So that's kind of where we just got their, their, their base from. So I think, and honestly, I think that I have not seen widgets on Big Sur at all. Uh, they're, they're a thing too. They have new widgets there. Uh, Cause I haven't looked at Big Sur at all. No sir to Big Sur has been my spoke <laughs> all summer. Uh, ever since the first beta dropped, and then people figured out that if you installed it by doing the whole little create a new APFS volume trick and then install it over there, it completely uh, boinked up your installation of Catalina slash Mojave, whatever you happen to be running. I've stayed away from it. Uh, one, I don't have an external drive to use. Two, I'm not willing to take the risk that my current system stops working or all of a sudden Mac OS doesn't recognize Catalina anymore because it got touched by uh, Big Sur. Big Sur, yeah. yeah. So left that alone. I will uh, uh, make that sacrifice for you and not tell Andrew and then he'll go to use the, the Mac for school and nothing will work. <laughs> so it is a huge visual design change. So he will notice as soon as he brings it up, like he's going to notice that there is something different. Uh, just to be <laughs> fair, I would check to make sure that whatever he actually uses for school does work before you yeah, upgrade. As long as Chrome works, he should be good. Cause no, I don't think good. there's any problem with Chrome. Uh, it as much Ram as it always has. Uh, so yeah uh but yeah i think it's a good start uh while it's a step back from the widgets that we used to have in ios in a sense and it's nowhere near the functionality and capabilities of widgets on android i think it is a good start for apple in the sense that they're now starting fresh and as they build up the capabilities of widgets that should also translate into them building up the capabilities of um watch os uh complications yes yes yeah so i think we should see a lot more growth there like mike said in the next couple of os's i expect them to become extremely uh powerful uh sort of like apple and their m1 chip uh i think there's a lot of complaints about them well i'm not gonna say complaints there's a lot of what's the word trepidation that's a good word there's a lot of trepidation from people about the m1 uh number one because you can only with the current release of apple stuff uh, which would be the macbook air the lower end macbook pro uh so the one with two ports uh four and the uh mac mini 
which by the way i didn't notice initially is back in silver so the intel version of the mac mini that they're still selling is still space gray uh but the the new m1 mac mini is silver uh, which makes me think they're really going to do like a mac mini pro or mac pro mini or something yeah uh, you must have listened to connected recently <laughs> uh, so I've actually had that thought for a while because the Mac I was talking Pro, about the colors because they talked oh, about the colors. The colors. Uh, yeah. What did I hear yeah. about the colors? I can't remember where I heard about the colors. Uh, <laughs> it was one of it, it was either upgrade or connected. Uh, side note, just a recommendation. We we talk about different shows. Connected. If you like Apple stuff uh, and you are. Uh, you need to laugh at all. Uh, Connected is an excellent show to hear about Apple stuff and get some really good laughs. Uh, as Mike discovered somewhat <laughs> recently, uh, he can't go to sleep. He can't listen to Connected when he's trying to go to sleep. Uh, I can't listen to Connected while I'm trying to go to sleep, and I can't listen to Connected while I'm trying to work. Oh, yeah. you can't. Basically, you need to be doing something that doesn't require any thought. Uh, so you can't be trying to do your job and listen to Connected because you're going to lose focus. And you can't be trying to go to sleep because you're going to laugh, uh, which I discovered. this. Actually, I think I'm the one who discovered that first. I discovered that about a month ago. Like, I cannot listen to Connected and go to sleep because, uh, yeah. But good show. Very funny. Uh, informative, but but very, very funny. And I don't really say that about very many things. Um, the funny part, anyway. Uh, but one of the one of the uh, limitations of the current M1 Max, uh, which is what Apple is calling their chip that goes into the Mac, uh, is they only go up to 16 gigs of RAM. Uh, they're also capped at two terabytes of storage, um, whereas some of the current Intel machines can go up to eight terabytes of storage. And in the case of the Mac Pro, up to a terabyte and a half of RAM, which just still is mind boggling. Uh, and um, um yeah see That's i sell more money than what i got man the cost for that ram could buy you <laughs> a couple of mac minis dude right uh, seriously um but one of the things so we're not going to summarize it we will link to a couple of things we'll link to apple's event video on youtube uh and if you have at this point missed the announcement and we'll try linking on jeromepay.com slash dm62 is where you can find these links to some uh articles kind of explaining what apple announced uh if you have not seen any of this uh but the M1 chip, so basically they have packaged everything onto one chip. So the RAM is on the chip, the storage controller is on the chip, and then, of course, the CPU, GPU, all of that stuff is on the chip, right? That's that's Apple's chip with all that stuff on that one chip. So they're doing what they call shared memory architecture, I think. So, um, again, speaking a little out of my comfort zone, typically in an Intel-based computer, uh, I'm saying Intel based it probably applies to other machines too, but I'm saying Intel because I'm sitting in front of one uh, and it's what I use. Typically in an Intel based computer, you have your RAM, you have your storage, you have your processor chip. An application that is um, needs to use RAM has to pass that information through like the processor over to the RAM controller. And then the RAM controller says, Hey, give this application two gigs of RAM. Uh, same thing with the uh, storage controller. If they want to write something, they have to pass that information through a, through a third party. It's not a direct 
talk to the RAM, talk to the storage type of situation for an application that's running uh, or for the, the, the system on a chip that's running. In Apple's case, what I think, my understanding of it, of it is that that conversation is more direct uh, on the lower level. Like it is more of a direct conversation between the processor and the RAM and between the processor and the storage controller and all of that stuff, which in theory uh, should speed things up a whole lot faster. Uh, it could also eliminate the need for such massive amounts of RAM uh, because the SSD is going to be faster. Uh, the storage writing and release, more importantly, the releasing of RAM by by process uh, should be much more efficient to the point that maybe our and I'm guilty of this, too. Like, I think we all are looking at the limitations of RAM uh, from one or two lenses, if not through both of these lenses. Number one, traditionally, the more RAM you can get, you always want to get more RAM. That's always been my recommendation to people. Bump your RAM up before you bump anything else. Bump your RAM because you can't probably fix it later Uh, because applications need a lot of RAM. Uh, You know, Chrome needs a lot of RAM. It's greedy. Yes. Uh, And the other lens that some people are probably looking at this through is, you know, performance. Like, you know, I need a lot of RAM to be performing. How can Apple sell computers that max out at 16 Mm. gigs of RAM? Uh, So where I think that we all are possibly making a mistake is uh, let's talk about the performance first. Like, I think that the overall performance of these computers with 16 gigs of RAM is going to be reasonable actually i think it's going to blow you know well outstrip expectations uh of people uh based on the computers that they released um two points that i have not really heard a lot of people make is number one you can never match the macbook air uh past 16 gigs of ram anyway uh the mac mini that they're selling right now is not their upgraded 2018 mac mini replacement it is a newer mac mini that slots in below that uh mm-hmm. the 2018 mac mini that can go up to 64 gigs of ram was talked about by apple as a pro level machine that's why it's space gray uh the new one is silver which tells you it's the consumer version <laughs> uh and the macbook pro that they're selling which i had kind of forgotten this too because i think they put the touch bar in the lower end 13 inch a year or so ago this is the lower end mac macbook pro so this is the macbook pro that when they upgraded all the macbook pros to have thunderbolt 3 and the touch bar this is the macbook pro that came out that did not have a touch bar it it was it still had the physical uh f keys on it this macbook pro was released before they upgraded the macbook air with its retina screen and all of that stuff uh so for us at the time when it was announced it was like well this is kind of their their replacement for the macbook air because that little macbook one port thing wasn't wasn't doing all that well performance wise uh but then they brought back the macbook air and really confused the whole lineup again because now <laughs> you got two 13 inch macbook pros two different variations one they both now have touch bars but one only has two ports and the higher end 13 inch pro has four ports and then you have the the bigger 16 inch pro uh so i think for that lower level pro uh it sort of makes sense a little bit if you factor in the fact that pro to Apple doesn't necessarily mean what pro to other people means all of the time, right? Uh, the 13-inch MacBook Pro that has the M1 chip right now uh, is a laptop. It's still very light. It's only 0.2 pounds heavier than the Air. 
but it has a fan, whereas the MacBook Air now does not have a fan. Uh, that means that it can do high performance uh, at a more sustained rate because it's able to cool the chip. Whereas as the MacBook Air gets up under heavy load, it is going to have to throttle down its, its processor speed to keep the temperature down because there's not a fan. Now, they probably did some clever stuff with um, cooling, etc. with the MacBook Air so it won't be, you know, burning you up won't be hot you can't you know cook your egg on it or something but it, it's going to naturally throttle itself back as 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 it reaches the thermal envelope uh there but where the other reason i feel like people are kind of us underestimating what these computers are going to be capable of is because we're all the only frame of reference any of us have at this point is comparing them to either comparing them to a, a intel based computer or you know or amd uh, if you happen to use Windows stuff or comparing them to Apple's other lineup of products that have Apple custom silicon in them and have had, which is the, you know, iOS slash iPad OS products. Yep. And I don't think either of those is a fair comparison. Uh, it literally is comparing apples to oranges. Even in the case of the iPad it is literally comparing apples to oranges. Uh, and by the time you hear this episode, there will be a lot more information out about the actual absolutely. benchmarks tests and everything because this comes out in December. So uh, people are benchmarks as, will be out. The regular public will actually have yep. theirs by this time too, so it won't just be reviewers. Uh, and we'll link to some of this stuff. Uh, we, we will link to some of the more interesting things that have come out in the intervening time explaining this. Uh, but I felt I had to get on the record saying stuff. Just like yeah. I think I'm on the record somewhere where I said there there is going to be a desktop version. They have to do a desktop Apple Silicon Mac for the first release because if they don't, everybody's going to say, oh, Apple just made a bunch of Macs with iPad chips and they can't do shit when it comes to desktop <laughs> powered on. I did not say those exact words, but I did say that they have to do a desktop Mac. I've said it in several on several occasions to several different people. And Remington shared his thoughts, too. <laughs> yeah, he said, man, they gotta make a they gotta make a desktop Mac, man, because you know if they don't, I don't want to buy that shit. Like that's exactly. what Remy said. So reach out to him on Twitter unless you have anything else, Demasi. Reach out to Remy on Twitter. <laughs> God no. <laughs> reach out to Demasi at D A M A S H E on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Payon P A Y O W N. And links to everything mentioned in today's episode are at yourownpay.com slash DM62. You've been listening to Your Own Pay Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, visit yourownpay.com slash cast for exclusive content and to contact us today. We're eager to hear your thoughts and about how you're making this podcast your own thanks for listening we'll be back soon the your own pay podcast your own pay.com